Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to, um, got a lot of scriptures, amen. <laughs> go with me to 2 Timothy, actually, no. No, 2 Timothy. Yes, 2 Timothy. Let's do 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. If you have your Bibles, amen. We're going to dive into this word. Today, we've been talking for the last several weeks. We've been talking about spiritual appraisal, right? We've been thinking about spiritual appraisal. We've been talking about spiritual appraisal, what the value that we bring to people, right? As we think about this, right, uh, we need to add value to people. How many of you agree to that? It's, we need to add value to people. We don't need to, there are some people that come into your life, they take away from you. They subtract you and they drain you. But others come and they, they, they are plus. They, they, they add something to your life. So we've been talking about spiritual appraisal. I think we started out with increasing your value and your influence across the kingdoms. And we said that there are at least three kingdoms. There's the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. Then there's the kingdom of the earth or the kingdom of man or the kingdom of humanity. And the last kingdom is the kingdom of darkness. We want to increase our value. Then we went from there, I believe we start talking about the, the MVPs of the, across the kingdoms. And we know that Jesus is the real MVP. <laughs> and if we follow him, we will become an MVP like he is. Then we talked about the art of becoming. It's not what you can get out of this life is what you are becoming. What are you been made into? I once heard a, 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 a mentor from afar. He says, why should you become a millionaire? It's because of what you are becoming. Why should you go to school? It's what you're becoming. The disciplines that are instilled in you. Why should you become a parent? It's what you're becoming. How many know that you should be changing? Anything that doesn't change? Um, the only person that I know that doesn't change is God and, and his son Jesus and the Holy Spirit, his spirit. And, and so, and today we're going to talk about, I think last week we talked about spiritual appraisal, the wisdom factor. How many enjoyed last week? The wisdom factor. You need to, you need to go and, and, and repost that and, and listen to that again. I listened to it th- this morning. And it blessed me. <laughs> um, go back and listen to it. I listened to the art of becoming and you all right. I need to release it. So I'm going to go ahead and release it. Um, <laughs> I even though I was tired. <laughs> and so today we're going to take it one step further. Spiritual appraisal influence across the generations. Influence across the generations. Today we have a wonderful baby dedication, and we, we just thought that it was appropriate to talk about influence across the, 
the generations. And I actually received this message from the Lord um, several weeks ago when I was in Florida and the Lord woke me up and downloaded all of these um, principles and, key, and biblical truths to talk about raising children. So today I'm going to talk about influence across the generations. What we do now will echo in eternity. Braveheart. <laughs> Mel Gibson. Uh, yeah, I thought that came from the Bible. <laughs> it sounded like it, right? It was pretty good. Um, but it's true. What we do now will echo into all eternity. How many know we need to raise our kids in the faith? And these are the words that came to me from the Spirit of the Lord. He says, teach them well. Teach them well. So you may be single. You may be married. You may not have children. Maybe you, you are, your children are grown now. Um, so you can have influence on your grandkids. If you don't have children, maybe you, could, you have nieces and nephews or cousins, little cousins. Before, way before I got married, way before I had kids, I would come in town and get all, I didn't get all my cousins because that was just impossible. I needed like six Greyhound buses. But I would get a, a, a core, the core of my cousins, little cousins, and I would take them to something similar to Dave and Buster's. And, and then I would take them and I would preach to them and tell them they need to get saved and fill with the Holy Spirit. And, and they would cry and say, you need to say this prayer. And, to, and then they would go back and preach to their moms and dads, some of them who were smoking marijuana. You need to stop before you go to hell. And they's like, what did you do to my kids? <laughs> and, and so again, um, many of them who I had the influence, they are, some of them are still walking with Christ, still pursuing him even in the midst of their struggles. So even if you don't have children, this message can be applicable to you because you can apply this in any realm. You can apply that. When I was in sixth grade, I was in something called Kicks. I think it's Kicks. Um, kids, in, um, kids in school or something, um, training other kids. And, and I was selected at this program and I began to teach kids about why they shouldn't smoke marijuana. And <laughs> I can't believe they had me do this in junior number two in Trenton, New Jersey. But, um, and I began to do that, and then I would slip God in the midst of it. Oh, you can't talk about Jesus, but today I'm going to talk about it. <laughs> and, and, and again, I, I ministered to a, a youth facility home for many years where kids were troubled. Some of them were abused physically, sexually, mentally, and others were um, involved in the, the occult and the cult, and many of them had suicidal thoughts, and I got a chance to minister to them about four or five years. Then I became a youth pastor at three different churches, and here I am today, <laughs> still impacting young people. All right, here we go. Children are a blessing. They are gifts from God. Amen? They're not a curse. <laughs> I don't, it doesn't matter what stage your child is in, they're not a curse. They are a blessing. And I was taught, even as a little boy, never to call a kid bad. So we don't call our sons bad. We say they're active. They've just been active. And it's amazing. Some parents will jump or get, um, get upset with kids being active, but then they will be sad when kids are not active at all, right? It, 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 if, if the kids are not active, something is wrong. So... I mean, I'm not saying let the kids have their way in your homes, but you should let them be kids. Amen. Um, sometimes we want to grow them up real quickly. 
Uh, you know, we can't wait for them to leave the house. And then when it's time for them to leave, we're crying and trying to hold on to them. How I many know we need to take time and to appreciate wherever stage we're in? We must begin to see these gifts, these children, through the eyes of God. If you have small children, you have a wonderful opportunity to evangelize them, disciple them, and prepare them for the kingdom of God. So today we're talking about spiritual appraisal influence across the generations. The most important place you can bring your children is to church on a regular basis. The most important place. I mean, sometimes it's amazing that people will not bring their children to church. They must see they must not see church as a burden, but as a delight. It should be a joyful day. It's the Lord's day. Um, it's a foretaste of what is to come in heaven. As we think about spiritual appraisal, we think about values across the generations. The same kingdom when you were a child is still available to your children or your grandchildren or your cousins and nieces and nephews and so forth. The kingdom is generational. The kingdom of God is eternal. And how many know that God is a generational God? He thinks in generations. He does not think about just the present. He thinks about the past, the present, and the future all at once. Can you imagine seeing past, future, past, present, and future all at once? He doesn't begin a thing until he finishes it. So he works himself backwards. He thought about Adam first, created Adam in his heart, already sent Jesus to the cross because he knew Adam was going to take the fruit, and then he worked his plan backwards. He thinks in generations. I mean, no, we need to think in generations. There's a thing of generational wealth, thinking about the generations after us. We want our children to stand on our shoulders. We should not see, sometimes people are like, oh, they need to go through like what I went through. No, they need to, they need to stand upon my failures. They need to, the best thing for you to do is to learn from the failures of others. That's wisdom. Oh, that's the way you ended up? I won't do that. <laughs> Think in generations. Let me give you a scripture, a quote of scripture that tells us that God is a generational God. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Generations. He thinks in generations. He, 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 God thinks in eternity. He thinks internally. He thinks with an internal mindset. He's never thinking just about now. He's thinking about the future. He's thinking about a million years from now. He thinks, he's thinking about in the eons to come. Jesus Christ, who's the same yesterday, today, and forever, who was and is and is to come. Three generations. He's constantly thinking about generations. Um, we see from Deuteronomy where it talks about that he'll visit the sins of our forefathers up to three generations. And, and, and many have come to the conclusion of a thing of generational curses. But guess what? There's a generational blessings as well. He's thinking about the generation. If you'll do right, not only will he bless you, but he'll bless your children. 
He'll bless your children's children. If you'll get in line with the plan of God, then that flow of the blessing will begin to flow through generations. You don't want to set up the curses. There's some of our forefathers and foremothers who have done some things that have set up the curse for their family line. And then someone will get in line and break it. How I many you know we want to set up some blessings? Not only financially, but spiritually. Amen. All right, that's all I have. I'm not just kidding. <laughs> the same God, the same gospel, the same faith, the same Holy Spirit. No matter how things are changing, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I'm going to give you real quick, this is a short sermon today. I'm going to give you four. I really had 13, but my wife's like, you can't do that. Can't do that to the people. They'll never come back. <laughs> I really have 13, <laughs> but we, she helped me narrow it down to four. So Cleve, Cleve should really, really enjoy this. <laughs> I'm not going to be his 20-minute sermon. <laughs> But I'll get maybe double. Um, <laughs> here are the four parenting pillars of wisdom. This is PD's four parenting pillars of wisdom. Now, in Isaiah, Isaiah says this. I mean, excuse me. Proverbs says that, that wisdom has seven pillars. There's seven pillars that wisdom has. I believe that these Seven pillars can be wrapped up in these four that I'm going to share with you today. Are y'all interested? All right, go ahead and take this down. One is how to think. These are things we should teach our children, our grandchildren, our nephews, our nieces, our, our community, our just every, everybody we can come in contact with, but specifically generations. It's how to think. A pillar of wisdom is to teach kids how to think. We need to teach our kids. Actually, I'm sorry. Let's, let's step up. This is, let's go back. The first one is how to believe. How to believe. The second is to how to think. The third is how to live. And the fourth is how to love. Let me say that again. How to believe, how to think, how to live, and how to love. How to believe, how to think, how to live, and how to love. We can make this into a song. <laughs> All right, believe, think, live, love. Some parents allow their children to believe anything. They're not intentional with what they're, I've heard parents, because I was a youth pastor for about 15 years in three different churches, I heard parents say, they need to make their own choice as it relates to their faith. God forbids that. It's like saying, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna, you know, if you wanna go to school today, we'll let you go. If not, you can stay home. How many of you will never do that? Because your kids will always say, stay home. <laughs> So you do not want to leave to chance or the devil or YouTube kids or society or culture that you're gonna, they're going to teach your kids what to believe. You should be just as 
involved with your children with their belief system as you are with their educational system. And unfortunately, some people are not that involved with their educational system. It really doesn't matter, in one sense, what school they go to. Because as parents, we are to own our children's education. So whatever is lacking in the school that they're in, take it and own it. Teach them financial literacy. Teach them about God. All right, how to believe. Let's focus on how to believe. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 1 says this. It says, remember your creator in the days of your youth. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. It is so important to God that we teach our children to remember God, to bring to mind God. They need to think about God. They need to think about the fact they are created. Let's go to 2 Tim- Timothy chapter 1. I think I have you over there already. 2 Timothy chapter 1. We're talking about influence across the generations. I'm reading out of the ESV English Standard Version. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Let's go over to verse 3. It says, I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. Verse 5, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your what? Grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. So we see three generations of faith. Grandmother, mother, and now Timothy. What, what, where's Timothy's father? Well, some believe he was a Gentile, who was a Greek, a Gentile. So we're not sure if he was saved or not. But we knew, we know that the grandmother was saved, and we know that the mother was saved, and now we know that Timothy is saved. Three generations. How I many know it's hard to destroy three generations of faith? There's three strongholds of faith in, in effect. How to believe. So these women taught Timothy how to believe. They didn't leave it up to the society of that day. Let's go over to um, Proverbs 22. Proverbs 22. This should be a familiar passage of scripture. Proverbs 22. We're talking about spiritual appraisal, right? Usually people get appraisals when? When they go and purchase a home, right? And, and they, they, they get people to come in to tell you the value of that home. So when we talk about spiritual appraisal, we're talking about what value are you adding to the generations? Some people, all they have is a, a, the value, or really not a value, but the curse of something. The curse of debt. The curse of, of sin. The curse of a wrong mindset. Proverbs 22, verse 6 says this. Proverbs 22, verse 6. It says, train up a child for the, for, 
train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he's old, he will not depart from it. Train up a child. <laughs> Notice it didn't say just allow the child to choose which way it wants to go. But to tra- you got to be intentional with your children. You cannot leave it up to YouTube. You cannot leave it up to games. Those, they are sneaking messages in the games. They're putting messages in the YouTube kids. They're putting messages in Netflix and, and HBO Max and Hulu and, and well, Disney Plus. <laughs> they're, they're, there's messages going forth. They, they're wanting to get your kids at a young age because they, they know if they can get them at a young age, they got them for life. So it says train up a child. So the word train means to cause to grow in a particular direction in a required shape, to teach a particular skill, a type of behavior through sustained practice and instruction. The word train in the Hebrew means to dedicate. It actually means to dedicate. I was was surprised at this definition, (laughs) to dedicate. So it says to train up, to dedicate your children to the Lord. And I mean, when you, to dedicate, it's not as much more than a ceremony, like a, a, a ritual, but it is to actually get involved and dedicate them, dedicate those 18 years to the Lord. We dedicate 18 years of this child. If this child never sees another Bible verse, they'll see it in the first 18 years of their life. If they don't ever hear the gospel, we have 18 years of, of training and teaching and living the gospel. We should give our children no excuse to go to hell. Because we're training them. We're molding them. We're living in such a way they cannot deny the God that we serve. Train up a child in the way that it should go. And when he is older, he will not depart. If you will steal this into your children, the ways of God, it won't depart from them. The word will work, even if it's a decade down the line, even if it's two decades, or even on the deathbed. Before they go into eternity, that word that mama put in, that word that the daddy put in, will not depart. We believe that the word of God is that powerful. Amen. Amen. Um, My brother, one of my brothers, um, went home to be with the Lord. Back in 2015, he was trained similar to me and under the word. I was born to a, um, a teenage mother and my mom got saved shortly after I was born. And, and the Lord saved her, filled her with the Holy Ghost. And immediately she started praying for us boys. <laughs> and she started praying for, them, for us and teaching us and having Bible study and and, and, and exposing us to gospel music. As a little boy, I was exposed to the Clark Sisters. I saw the Clark Sisters as a little boy. I saw Andre Crouch, and I was like amazed. I'm like, yo, Andre Crouch. Like, I was like a couple seats away from him, and I'm like, I had to be like four years old, and he's singing these songs, and I'm like, man. And, and, I, and, I, and I saw Commission and Fred Hammond, and, and I'm like, yo, this is, I mean, immediately Commission became my favorite group. And I'm like, yo, and, and it's like I wanted nothing else at four and five because that's what my mom exposed me to. 
I wasn't allowed to go. My first secular concert was, um, I mean, I went to go see this group. Some of y'all are too young for this. It's a group called Troop. <laughs> Spread your <laughs> All right, praise the worship leader. <laughs> and then and then my second secular concert, um, we um, my wife took me to was Patty LaBelle. <laughs> well, I took her to Patty LaBelle. And and then we got a chance to meet her. <laughs> Such a sweet lady. Um, and, and and so I was exposed to just the gospel music and the word of God. So my brother, he chose another direction. I chose Jesus, uh, or Jesus chose me, and then I, I yielded to his, his choosing, and my brother chose to go another way. And he, he actually, clo- like moments before he died, somebody had video recorded him, and he was having a, like a seizure or something. And I listened to it, I looked at it a million times, really, probably more like a hundred. And guess what? I heard him call Jesus. And I kept listening to it. I said, let me make sure. So I got everything, you know, let me listen, let me put it on um, iTunes, um, you know, whatever, the, um, uh, the um, studio or whatever, and let me listen to it. He called Jesus. I said, oh, he got in. Oh, that boy got saved. <laughs> I mean, he was, he was moments away. And he called on Jesus. Homeboy just got in, but I'm happy. At least he got in. <laughs> Amen? Amen. But I'm telling you, that word that my mom put in him, that word that my dad put in him, was enough for in a time of trouble, they'll pull on that word. It gives, when you put the word of God in your children, it gives the Holy Spirit something to work with, something to pull on. See, he doesn't work on just nothing. You know, people say, well, God made the world out of nothing, but he made it with the word. The Holy Spirit was there all the time, but when God spoke the word, the spirit of God moved on it. If you'll speak the word to your children, it may not happen next week, it may not happen next year, But that word that you put in your children, the Spirit of God will quicken and move on them. All of a sudden, they'll really get woke. I'm not talking about just, you know, your color, but I'm talking about the real wokeness. And they're like, oh my, oh, 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 I need this grace. I need this Jesus. You know, the songs that we sing about. So you need to teach your children. We need to teach our children how to believe. How to believe. So uh, let me encourage you to live out loud your faith. To live out loud your faith. Let them see you living this, this life you sing about. Let live out loud, pray out loud in front of your children. Let them hear you pray. Let them hear you cry out before the Lord. Amen. Let them see you repent. How many know we got to teach our children when to repent? My father, who was a giant in the faith, if he would mess up, he would say, son, I want to apologize to you. When that person cut cut me off, I said that bad word. Forgive me. How many know that changed my life? we We need to repent before our children. I messed up. You know? And, 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 and it was not giving them their business, but I remember mom and dad made a horrible decision. And, and they, they came to me and said, I want to apologize. We were not living right. 
We want to make it right. Not only before God. See, some people just want to repent before God. But how many of you need to repent before your children? That's going to change their lives forever. Let's show them how to repent. Teach them how to repent. Um, go with me, and, and, and I'm not going to keep you long. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. And let's see what God has to say about how to teach, you know, these four pillars of wisdom, how to teach them what to believe or how to believe. Deuteronomy chapter 6. And let's look at verse 1 through 7. Here we go. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your what? Son and your son's sons. Your King James, I think King James says children, right? By keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you, and all the days of your life, that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may be well with you, that you may multiply greatly. I told you that God is a, a mathematician. That, he, that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you, in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. These words that I command you today shall be on your heart. And you shall what? Teach them how? Diligently to your children. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and you, when you lie down, and when you rise. Well, God has spoken. He says, the faith should be everywhere. everywhere. You, you um, Teach your children everywhere. When do you, it's not just teach. You know, sometimes I think as parents, we think that they're going to get it one time. How many know you got to tell them again and again? Yeah. Repetition is teachers. It's the mother of the education, right? And so you, repetition, you got it over and over again. You know, I teach the boys, raise up the seats when you do, you do number one. Your, your wife is going to bless me one day. Come on, women. <laughs> raise that seat up. Daddy, what? No, raise. And I threatened them just this last week. I, I'm going to beat you if you don't raise that seat up. <laughs> I'm preparing them to be future husbands. Their wives are like, thank you. <laughs> he did well. <laughs> but we got to teach them everywhere we go. It, this is, it's like a 24-hour thing, really 16 hours. You're supposed to sleep eight, eight hours, right? Um, and then the rest is what? That's what, what eight, if you sleep eight hours, what's the rest? 16, right? So 16 hours, you got 16 hours. We got to teach them how to sleep. Go to sleep. When you worrying about stuff, just go to sleep. Don't worry about it. God's up. <laughs> Ain't no need for him and I both be up, right, at the same time. So somebody needs to stay. Somebody needs to stay up. God got that. See you later. <laughs> if we teach them how to sleep, teach them how to rest and so forth. And so here is a 24-hour taking your children, teaching your children, take, not only taking your children once to church, right, um, but all the time. Take them every Sunday as much as possible. Um, praying not only at night, but praying all the time, praying over the food. 
praying over situations and, and they, they get hurt. Let's pray to Jesus. Let's pray to the Father. Uh, and again, again, um, living, praying, teaching, and bringing them and teaching them, do it all the time. Be a Christian all the time. This is who we are. We listening to preaching on television and YouTube. We listening to gospel music. Come on. I'm not saying you can't listen to secular. We listen to secular in my house, all right? Not everything, but you get the picture, right? But we also, we a lot of praise and worship. So they sing around, oh, Jehovah, you know, they're singing these songs and, and it's getting in their spirits. You got to do it all the time, all the time. Because how many know that the world is constantly working? If they're, if when they're not in school, they're on the, the tablet and, and so they go to bed, that's not good. It's robbing us the opportunity to pass the faith down. No, no, let's shut everything down and let's give them our attention for the next three, four, five hours before they go to bed. And then you do your thing after they go to sleep or before they get up. Uh, great grandfather, great grandfather actually was a pastor. He had 12 kids. And I asked my great aunt, the oldest of the kids, I said, how did great grandfather do this as a pastor and working full time? He would go to bed when we went to bed, but he would get up way before we got up. And that was the wisdom I got from her. I said, and before she died, she gave me that wisdom. And then the other wisdom was, make sure you put some bleach when you wash some dishes. <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> all right, so teaching them all the time. Teach them what to believe. Teach them how to believe God and what to believe about God. Teach them who the Trinity, who the triune God is. Teach them how to study the scriptures. Teach them the importance of prayer. Teach them to tell the story. Oh, it's not just a story. It's more than a story. But teach them how to tell it. Jesus died for your sins. Adam and Eve, they took the fruit and Satan came and became, you know, and, and we died and we were separated from God. Teach them the story. You know your kids can remember stories. <laughs> if you teach them a, a horror story, they'll stay with them the rest of their lives. <laughs> Teach them something good. Put something in them. What you put in them, there'll be a harvest on it later. Some parents haven't put much in them. You can, you can write, and, and don't take this the wrong way, you can write the narratives of your children's life. Putting the right stuff in them. Putting your hands on your children. Affirming them. Come on. <laughs> if you don't put your hands on their children, who will? If you don't hug your children, who will? They go searching for somewhere else, looking for love in all the wrong places, but affirming them, giving them your full attention. They speak. Okay, I understand. Stop what you're doing. Social media can wait, and I'm going to pay attention to you. Speak to me. And they take a long, some, some of them take a long time, right? <laughs> and they take like five minutes to get through a point, and you're like, okay, come on, patience are working. <laughs> yes, God. Yeah. And, and, and what, what does that mean? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right, next one. Um, well, the first one, how to believe, teaching them how to receive from God and so forth, teaching them the power of prayer, and that list goes on and on and on. So second point, how to think. I mean, no, we need to teach our kids how to think. Thinking Christians. God delights in thinking Christians. 
my dad said to me at one point I was praying, uh, doing a lot of praying. I was praying like eight hours a day at, at this church. It was a wonderful church, and I was praying and fasting. Um, I was fasting like twice a week, and I mean, really seeking the Lord. And my dad said to me one time, he says, well, why are you down there praying? Don't forget your brain. <laughs> we got some believers, they don't think. They're flaky. We got to think. Think about the Word of God. Matthew 22 says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. So we got to teach our children how to think, how to use their minds for the glory of God, how to grow in learning, how to grow to a place of understanding. Thinking is vital to the Christian faith. Thinking is. Some people don't think. We got to teach them how to think. As a person thinks, so is he. Proverbs. Thinking people are people who know how to solve problems. And the more we teach our kids to be problem solvers, the more their value increases in this world. People pay people who solve problems. So you teach that little one how to think, people will pay them. And over years, sharpening their skills, their discernment, think. I had to look, you know, I had to look it up in the dictionaries. It says, to decide by reasoning and reflection or pondering, to call to mind, I told, to remember. So um, my son, sometimes he'll meet somebody, and I've done this several times, where he'll forget their name. And, you know, he met a friend today, this morning, and he forgot his name. I said, you know, people remember what they want to remember. If you forget something, it's because it wasn't important to you. And that like hit him hard. Like, what do you mean? Yes, it was. No, it wasn't that important to you because you didn't remember what I said. <laughs> People forget what is not important to them. But let it be a sale. He'll remember the date three weeks on ahead. Oh, 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 yeah, it, it's, it's coming on this day. You remember what you want to remember. Because if it's important to you, you won't forget it. We make sure we go to our jobs on time. We make sure we get, when we get paid, we remember our payday. Come on, I'm preaching better than y'all saying amen. <laughs> yeah, we remember certain dates. We remember when we owe the IRS, April the 15th, well, a couple years ago. <laughs> they extended it in May, right? <laughs> we remember what we want to remember. That went over really good. <laughs> to visualize, to imagine. How many know that we, we need to teach our children how to use their imagination? To teaching them how to invent and exercise the power of reasoning by conceiving ideals and drawing inferences and using judgment to create or to assimilate, to think over what has been said. The Lord does great things with faith-filled, spirit-filled thinking Christians. The Holy Spirit will change your life if you will follow him and think. Think big, but you also got to think small. You got to think outside of the box, and you got to think inside of the box. Sometimes people want to, oh, let's think outside of the box, but you also got to think inside of the box. Hey, Amen. That'll preach within itself. <laughs> um, you got to uh, think with your imagination, but you also got to think with, re with reality. 
you got to think as a realistic person. But you also got to think, let's go. Let's, let's imagine. We got to think strong and hard and think for the glory of God. Think to think in reading, not only to read, but how to read. How I many know that some, some people don't know how to read? And I'm not talking about the words. I'm talking about comprehension. And I, I taught my students, used to teach my students to read above their head. Don't just read stuff that's easy. Read stuff that's going to pull you up. If you only read Dr. Seuss, I read every day, Pastor, but you're only going to stay at Dr. Seuss level. You got to read some hard stuff, stuff that's going to make you go to the dictionary, stuff that's going to make you use your context clues that you learned in the third grade. Stuff that calls you to read. Let me take a second and a third look at this. Let me read a paragraph eight times to get the understanding. Because if I can think, it gives the Holy Spirit something to work with. Let me give you a scripture. Proverbs, 20, Proverbs 15. Proverbs 15. We're talking about um, influence across the generations. We got to teach our children to think. Not just to accept something just because it's presented, just because it's on television or, or YouTube or in print, but we got to teach them how to be critical thinkers, to analyze things, to think about the results of things, to look at things in light of who God is. Proverbs 15, Proverbs 15, and let's look at verse 28. It says, the heart of the righteous ponders how to answer. But the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer. We need to think about the effects of our words. We want to think about how we're going to answer something. Not always thinking out of, you know, just at a spare moment. People speak before they think. And we, we can really save a lot of ourselves trouble if we'll think, about be, think before we speak. Think about every word that we're about to say and the effects of the word. Before you call that, that kid crazy or dumb or they just like their mama or their daddy, think about that. No, I can't do that. I'm not going to speak that over your life. You're just like God makes you to be. I call you young man of God. I call you young woman of God. I call you strong. And I call, this is what I think about you. you. There's more in you than you're releasing. Every day I have my kids to speak to their potential. I say, in, in the name of Jesus, I speak to the potential inside of me and I release it today in Jesus' name. Amen. You got to speak. I speak to the leader inside of me. Leader, rise up. I follow Jesus and I follow the Holy Spirit and I'm a leader among my peers. You got to speak that. Amen. All right. Next one. Real quick. I promise the last two is, is real short. It says how to live. We got to teach our kids how to live. Amen. <laughs> um, teach our kids how to live, how to live out their faith, how to live, how to enjoy life. How many know that we can't just teach them how to be serious all the time, teach them to in to embrace the things that God has blessed them. And that's Galatians 2.20, Colossians 3.21, Galatians 2.20, and Colossians 2.21. Teach them how to live by faith. Teach them how to seek the kingdom of God and teach them how to enjoy what God has given them. 
how to live, how to choose a spouse. That's the last one, how to love. You got to teach your kids how to love. Teach them how to choose a spouse. You don't want somebody like that. Not that you're better, but you got to think about your kids. You got to teach them how to choose friends. While you're in my house, I choose your friends because I'm teaching you how to choose friends. Don't hang around somebody who's angry because you'll learn their ways. Choose wise people. Go hang out with the nerds. They'll run the world tomorrow. They'll be the employers. They think they're popular in high school, but in five years, nobody know their name. So don't, don't see, you know, you got to teach them how to live and to love and how to forgive. This is how you forgive. You don't hold anything about it. Don't fool with them, but don't hold it this against them. Amen? Amen. That's all I have today. What, what are the four points? How to? How to? How to? And how to? Now, I could have really taken 45 minutes in each one of those, but I chose not to. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Close your eyes. That concludes you, this week's message, and thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, you can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519, Grand Cocos, New Jersey, 08073. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, contact us via email at partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to His Word. God bless you.